Chapter Thirteen of Miss Philura's Wedding Gown by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Happily unaware of the crucial hour upon which depended much of their future peace and happiness, young Gregory Van Duser and Genevieve Parsons sat in Malvina Bennett's dingy little sitting room, with its base burner, its centre table covered with a chenille table spread, its crayon presentments of departed Bennetts and its kerosene lamp, illumining the blonde head of Genevieve, drooped over the white stuff in her lap. There had been no question whatever as to what Genevieve should be married in. "'You are going to stand up in a white dress, Genevieve,' Malvina Bennett had said. "'I can throw it together in two jerks of a lamb's tail. "'And anyway, Philora Rice's goods ain't come yet. "'I'll bet she'll have to be married in her black and purple.' Miss Bennett had marched straight to the Trimmer Emporium, where she had cheerfully expended the whole of a ten-dollar bill on breadths of shimmering white silk and several yards of the useful lace known as German Val. It was upon this creation that Genevieve was putting certain deft Parisian touches learned of Miss Popham. "'I wish,' said Gregory fervently, "'that you'd put away that sewing and look at me.' Genevieve looked at him over the airy stuff in her lap. Demure dimples played about her lips. She looked as distractingly lovely as a beautiful girl may when sewing her wedding gown in the presence of the man she will marry on the morrow. Gregory promptly lost his head, with results which may be imagined. "'Couldn't Malvina finish it?' he begged. "'She couldn't finish what I'm doing,' the girl told him, and exhibited with pride the embroidery she was setting here and there upon the garment. He felt in his pocket, and presently produced a piece of yellow paper. "'I want you to see Father's telegram. You see, everything's all right, dear.' She read the scrawl, a sweet gravity on her young face. "'I was afraid your mother would never forgive us,' she said. "'But it says, hearty congratulations from mother and self.' We'll be with you tomorrow. He sent it right off the bat, exulted Gregory, soon as he got my letter. I tell you, my dad is a brick. So is mother when you come to know her. But I'll confess I was a bit surprised to have her come around without a protest. Her swift glance warned him to forbear. He had been about to confide to her the maternal ambitions concerning Lady Clara. Instead, he said, Shall we keep house or board when we come back? Oh, keep house, of course, she told him. I can do everything. He gazed at her with adoring awe. We shall only have what I earn and grandmother's money. It won't be much. Do you suppose we can do it? What do you say, Genevieve? She cast him a delicious glance of patronage over the white stuff in her lap. I'm used to being poor, even if you aren't. We shall have everything we need. Have you a piece of paper? He felt about in his pocket and produced a half sheet of letter paper, folded once across. Hmm. Put down first, rent, twenty dollars, she commanded. He gazed at her incredulously. Malvina only pays seventeen for this, she said crisply, and we can't afford more. All right, he agreed. I'd rather live here with you than 
anywhere else without you. Now what? I know you'll be hungry and want a lot to eat, but we'll have a garden and some fruit trees, she went on, a little pucker between her brown eyes. So we'll say food forty. You mean forty a week, eh? Yeah, I guess that's about the figure. I mean a month, she corrected him, with a gentle superiority born of experience. Then we'll have forty left for clothes, fuel, amusements, church, travelling, and, well, everything else. Little things one doesn't think of, you know? Contingencies, murmured Gregory, setting down the forty dollars in his meagre row of figures and eyeing it contemplatively. Then he passed the sheet over to the girl, who surveyed it, her pretty head on one side. We shan't have a bit of trouble on that, she asserted hopefully. She turned the bit of paper over and glanced at the other side. What? What? The... He was looking over her shoulder, and incidentally dropping an occasional kiss on her bright hair. Oh, that, he said. It's a scriptural curiosity. I picked it up in the store the other day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want ten yards of white silk with linings. Read the girl... Craig, it's a shopping list. Oh, read me the rest, he urged. Perhaps you'll tell me what it means. <clears throat> Two white petticoats, I'd like one to be trimmed with an embroidered ruffle, she obeyed him. Four pairs of good stockings, one white pair, please. Three NGs, one very pretty, trimmed with lace. A warm cloak, I'd love to have a fur collar on it and thank you for everything. All things are mine. Isn't that a unique document, Gregory demanded. And what, if one may inquire, is an NG? I've always translated that particular combination of letters into no good, but it doesn't appear to work out when trimmed with lace. But Genevieve was not even smiling. Instead, something very like a mist dimmed her bright eyes as she looked up at him. Oh, Greg, she said, her voice vibrating between tears and laughter. Don't you understand? This is a shopping list, but it's not meant for your eyes nor mine. That dear little Miss Valura wrote it. It's her handwriting and her letter paper. I've seen both. Well, he commented stupidly, why should my dear old cousin mix her metaphors in such a remarkable way? Isn't that first line out of the Bible? it is, Greg. She hasn't any money, poor dear, to buy these things. So she... He grasped the idea without further elucidation. By Jove, he cried, staring at the paper. It's a draft on the encircling good. Is that what you mean? She talked to me about it, murmured the girl. She said you were in it, the encircling good, I mean, and that everything would come right if I only believed. And, oh, Greg, I didn't believe anything could change your mother after what she said to me. But something did, you see. And we are so happy. I'm blessed if I won't play the part, declared young Gregory some moments later, during which no embroidery stitches were added to the wonder in her lap. Oh, you mean... 
I'll honour the draft. You buy the things, dear. You know what she'll like, and we'll give them to her. The girl shook her head. Oh, I shouldn't like her to know we'd seen this, she said slowly. Besides, we don't know exactly what she'd like. The cloak with the fur collar. It would have to be fitted. Well, suppose I shove some money under the door. That's a bully way to do it when you can't come right out with it. Just seal it in an envelope and... The bride-to-be suddenly caught his eager face between her two hands. I have it, Greg, she cried. We'll rent Miss Fuliora's cottage. She'll be going to the parsonage to live and won't want it any more. It's a great little place, he approved. Apple trees in the back yard and a hen house. Oh, I'll dig the garden all right and you shall egg on the hens to furnishing us with lots of custards and omelettes. We'll do it, and I'll pay six months in advance, and that'll take care of that blessed little woman's wants. End of chapter 13